It's Song Talk Radio with Michael, Neil, Phil, and the gang. Welcome to Song Talk Radio, the show with songwriters talking to other songwriters about the craft of <laughs> songwriting. We share tips, tools, and techniques, and together we all become better at writing songs. That's the idea. I think it does work. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Proudfoot, and with me is only one of the members of the Song Talk Radio Action Team, Neil Modi. Hello, Neil. How are you? I'm doing quite well, and um, and yes, it does work. Agreed. Yeah, this songwriting nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, our other Song Talk Radio Action Team member, Phil Emery, is laid low by a bit of illness, but he'll be back probably next week. Hail and hearty and better than ever. During this show, please feel free to send your comments and questions to at Song Talk Radio on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or send us to feedback at songtalk.ca if you want to use an email. And we will share your comments with our audience. And please visit us at songtalk.ca to find out who you could possibly be a guest on the show. And um, before we get into our main events, uh, well, I had something... Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. I came across and, and then uh, I wanted to tell you about Neil. So there's a study done by, uh, let me see, Heidelberg University in Germany, mm. where they tested uh, and found that listening to hard rock improves surgical efficiency and precision. They played uh, ACDC, TNT and Highway to Hell. And they noticed that it improved surgeons incision times from 236 seconds down to 139 seconds. And uh, what else? They uh, they also improved the surgeon's accuracy by 5% by listening to uh, heavy metal. Uh, and the louder they the played, the better they got at it. Whereas when they played the Beatles, uh, it did speed up the time by 50%, but the volume had to be down a bit. Uh, this sounds kind of crazy. I'm not sure... Uh, if it can be duplicated, but they, they're standing by this study. So huh. I think maybe the tempo keeps up the speed of the performance and then enhance, well, enhances the task. You know, like I was thinking maybe it has to do with like kind of you know, the rhythm of it, right? And the the energy of it. So like mm-hmm. death metal would be yeah. too much and, and um, you know, soft piano ballad may not will probably slow things down. <laughs> exactly. Well, it might help with the, the patient's heart. You know, the, yeah, the blood pressure would, the would drop. But I think you don't want to mess with blood pressure when you're doing surgery. No, no. <laughs> and it was lapro- uh, laparoscopic surgery, which uh, I don't know what that means, actually. I think micro. Anyway, uh, so that was just a little bit of news. And speaking of news, we still have our Song Talk Challenge, right? Now? Yes, we do. Song Talk Songwriting Challenge is, is uh, quite a bit um, underway. Um, uh, I'm still working on mine. I think Mike is still working on his. I'm pretty darn sure Phil's still working on his. <laughs> so hopefully soon we will be sharing um, our answers to the challenge. And of course, the challenge this year, um, if you haven't heard yet, is uh, we decided to write a song based on a title. We solicited title suggestions from our listeners, and uh, we selected uh, from from those submissions, and we picked the title, Why Do You Cry? 
so um, we've invited our listeners, and uh, same as same as we're going to do, you write a song uh, based on that title. And um, we've already got a bunch of submissions from our listeners, which is fantastic. So keep them coming. Email your uh, MP3 and your lyric sheet and a little paragraph about where you come from in the world and, and your songwriting journey on this song and, and what the prompt yeah, did for what you. what the process was like. Yeah, what, what your songwriting process was in a paragraph or two. And, um, and uh, just like we did last year, we'll uh, feature an episode or two where we share our listeners' songs um, to uh, to the challenge and um, and go off of there after after we do ours. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you mentioned the lyric sheet. So this is a song called Challenge, and it, it should challenge you. Don't try to find a, a loophole or something, you know. So even if you're not uh, tremendously strong with lyrics, do try to you know write a song with lyrics that does take this title as as the the main theme. Oh. Uh, so do challenge yourself. That's kind of the point of this challenge. Yeah, make, make it difficult. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, make it a challenge, and and as well, you know, you can you can treat it like an exercise. Like it doesn't have to be the final draft of the song. It could be, you know, the first draft of the song, and then mm-hmm. if you want to, you know, change the title after that and do a version two, then you know, it's your song. You can do whatever you want with it. And as yeah. far as the challenge is concerned, I know you know Phil's not here, but you know, for seven years on this podcast, he's always I'm a lyrics guy last. I'm a lyrics guy last. He always, always, always writes his lyric last. Guess yeah. what? <laughs> he wrote a lyric first. <laughs> for this challenge which is like i can't wait to hear what he's got yeah anyway so yeah and we can't wait to hear what you guys have made as well guys and gals yeah um but now let's get to the 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 main feature of our show tonight before we do we just want to drop you got something else sir yeah we just want to drop a little congratulations oh uh, yes alex kuba one of our favorite guests alex kuba who uh, won the grammy a couple weeks ago for best latin uh pop album um for his uh what was his album called or was it (laughs) it's around here somewhere sorry i can't find that right now all right. Anyway, well, congratulations to Alex Kuba. He was one of our um, he was one of our first guests when we went virtual because he's in British Columbia. And uh, one one of the upsides of being virtual is we can talk to people from all over the world. Yeah. And, and he's a fantastic uh, songwriter. Who uh, the thing I remember out of Alex Kuba's episode is that he makes complicated sound simple, which is a really really hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so definitely uh, check out so, yeah. Al- Scuba's episode. Um, it was, it's well worth the listen. Definitely. And uh, now we will get to another great songwriter on tonight's yeah. show. Now, you might be forgiven if you get the impression that successful songwriting is something now that shines on the young. And true enough, a lot of the hits you might hear in much of the press and the muscle from record companies is devoted to the next big thing. But tonight's song talk guest not only bucks that trend, but he also makes a virtue out of maturity and the insight that that brings. Over his remarkable three-and-a-half-decade career, Austin-based artist Darden Smith has released 15 critically-lauded studio albums. He's landed singles in both the country and pop charts, including the top 10 hit Loving Arms. He's penned a symphony, scored works for the theater and dance, published a widely celebrated book on creativity, exhibited works of visual art, and co-founded the nonprofit Songwriting with Soldiers program, which pairs veterans with musicians in order to tap into the transformational possibilities of collaborative songwriting. And now he has released a beautifully austere multimedia project called Western Skies, comprising of a new studio record, a book of photography, lyrics and essays, and accompanying album of readings set to music. 
Western Skies is an immersive journey into a world both real and imagined. And here's just a little taste of the first release from this album. There ain't nothing funny about getting older My soul aches, my body feels the strain The past is heavy on my shoulder Tomorrow comes on like a train If these days are really numbered If there's an end to the line Then I'm gonna love you Like I'm running Like I'm running out of time A big Sontag radio welcome to the amazing Darren Smith. Welcome, Darren. Thank, Thank you, you Michael. Us. Thank you, Neil. It's great um, to be here. Great to have you. Yeah, it's great. Well, this... Uh, this is quite, a, I don't know, maybe, I don't know the scope of other projects, but this is quite ambitious uh, to have so many aspects of this um, idea uh, of open and empty that uh, encompasses so many like visual parts and lyrical parts and musical parts. What was the genesis of this? How did this come to yeah, you? Yeah, I think, I think I'm losing my mind. As I, get, as, I get, as I get older, I think I'm just going nuts, you know, it's like. Oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I, what I need is someone to tell me no. You know, no, no. Actually, what happened was, uh, you know, so I put out I put out a bunch of records already in my life, which is I love making records. Uh, but then I started, you know, making uh, you know visual art uh, years ago, and um, then I put a book out in 2018, and I really liked the I really love books they're really great and uh, and so just during the during the pandemic i was doing these dry, doing these these trips through uh west texas and, and arizona where i live i live in texas and and i started taking these photographs and i started writing songs and i was writing these essays and i thought they were three completely different bodies of work i, I didn't really see the connection between them until i was in the studio recording some demo recording the demos for what became the record and it, it it made sense. It was like it made sense that they all fit together. And then, and what I saw that being was a book that uh, had the lyrics, the photos, and the uh, essays with an album that accompanied. It wasn't an album with a book. It was a book with an album, which was uh, which was very different for me. And and it was it is a lot, but I've. I'm at a place in my life where I, I, I love a big challenge. And I, this is, uh, I, yeah, I kind of bit off a lot here, <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite, it's quite an extraordinary thing. And it's quite, I mean, no one does concept albums anymore, right? Like you, you, you've gone to, to the, to the, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's broken up the concept into a whole visual thing and everything. Yeah. Else. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I I, it definitely isn't a concept album. You know, it, the songs hang together. There's, there's the story, but I didn't really set out to make a concept album. Um, concept project. I, I, I did, I did have a thing that I wanted to, uh, 
to, to get across, I did, I did have that sort of this concept that I wanted to get across, which was the effect of sort of these travels and these landscapes during that time, during 20 and 21, the effect that it had on me that somehow was, was, it, was relayed through these songs and the recordings of those songs and then the photos and the essays. And, um, it's just, it's that, that's what I was really trying to get after. And it, after a certain point of working in certain mediums, you know, songs or visual art or, you know, whatever, it's like, why not push it? You know, why not, why not take it as far out as you can? Because if you have the opportunity to do it and you don't do it, what a, what a, what a, what a ripoff kind of, you know, it's like, and, uh, you never know. So that, that, that was really a case where you wrote the songs, took the photos, wrote some essays, and then realized the connection yeah. between them. Yeah. Or, yeah. They, they, they did action and then, and then wrote some more. No, that, that was completely three separate things that I was doing. And, and I was doing them simultaneously, but I just thought, I mean, cause I, can, I don't consider myself like the, a photographer photographer. I had a, Polaroid camera. And if you've ever worked with a Polaroid, it's the most un iPhone way of shooting photos that exists. It's like, it's like you have no control very, you know, it's kind of what it is, what it is. And, um, I was just doing that because it was fun and it was interesting. And I was writing these essays because during that time of 20 and 21, I was, I was, uh, I was coming up against a lot of things in my life. So I just like, I, like I just turned 60 um, I had been, uh, my, my mother was, uh, we were going as the whole world was going through this huge thing, uh, and sort of mortality was in my face. So, uh, you know, turning, turning 60 and then, and then my mother was ill as well. She wound up dying about a year ago. And, and so these three things were coming at, at these three things were coming at me at the same time, as well as I was spending a lot of time actually focusing every day on what was going right in my life and thinking about, okay, what is good? Because I could go down a rabbit hole of what is not good pretty easily. You know, I've got about 14 albums based around that. <laughs> and uh, uh, so the, the two, the dichotomy of those things, what this, this like mortality and this sort of time that's passing and, and then this beautiful, the beauty that is around us every day, those three, those, those sort of, you could say, di- you know, sort of opposing forces were informing all three of these, the songs, the essays, and the uh, photos. But no, I did not see it until I was literally on the second day of recording the demos. It just sort of hit me like a flash. I went, oh, this is like, this is a big project. And if I, you know, it's kind of like the old Mission Impossible thing. Should you choose to accept? Right. You could have just made an album and not taken on all the big picture, I suppose. Right? I'm sorry, say that again? I said you could have made an album without taking on the big picture I, of all incorporating all the elements. And, you know, the, the funny thing, Michael, is that, that you know, I mean, I've done that. <laughs> it's like, and I don't mean to seem jaded because it's like, it sounds really cynical to go, oh, I've, I've done that. But it's like, I've made, I've made, you know, this is my 16th record. So it's like, I've, and, and it's, I love making records. But I also have worked in sort of combining mediums where you take, you know, I've done dance and I've done, you know, film and video and, and, and these, you know, music with stuff. And when you put two, together two mediums um, and they can sort of rise up to the same level, 
it makes a you can make a bigger statement and you can do a bigger thing. And I kind of am interested in that. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I could have just made an album, but it, it it's kind of boring to me. It was, yeah, it was when I go for a home run instead of you know getting a single. Yeah, uh, well, you know, or a series of singles. <laughs> you know, you never know. But but still, it's like, but but yeah. it really, it's it's kind of like I think if a person, well, first off, I believe that most artists are more talented than they think they are. And they can operate in more than one medium. Like most, if you, most, a lot of musicians, not most, I would say a lot of musicians are excellent chefs. They're excellent cooks. Uh, A lot of musicians paint. A lot of painters play music. A lot of food people, if you walk into a lot of kitchens, you're going to find a lot of musicians behind the, behind the stove. Mm-hmm. In the in professional kitchens, and so there's that player, and so if you have these multiple things that you do, then you can figure out how to make the make a living at it and all that kind of thing. Um, why not do it? It's like why sell yourself short? And so I just have in the last uh, you know number of years, um, last twenty years really, I've tried to embrace that sort of part of my brain that sort of pushes things a little. And so it makes songwriting a lot more interesting to me. And it makes, it, get, it gives a bit of a, uh, more of a context to the songs because songs and sort of records and how music is distributed, it's been devalued to such a ridiculous level in the sort of the professional realm um, that um, and it's like, how can I still remain interested in it? And how can I still push myself um, on a daily basis? And, and that's why, I, I, for me, it, pulling in these other mediums is, is it just keeps it fun. You know, it's like uh, I want to have fun. That's the only reason I got in. I got into the music business to sleep late and to have fun. Yeah, yeah. sleeping late isn't going so well. No. So I'm, so I'm really working on the fun thing. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about your songwriting process a little bit because when when I was I was listening to your album on um, on uh, SoundCloud and the first few songs, I think the first couple of songs at least uh, are they sound like they're piano songs, and then in comes the guitar, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. He's he's a piano player. And then just before the uh-huh. show, you picked up your guitar and gave us a little sound sample. Well, my piano's right there behind me. You know, that's so are, are you are you ambidextrous or do you do you favor one or the other? Like for well, your playing, my. Yeah, my my natural go to is the guitar. I, I've been playing. I started playing guitar when I was nine, you know, and uh, so that's my number one there. But I started playing piano. Uh, uh, I don't read music, um, but I started playing piano so I could write songs when I was about twenty, and um, so and and I just I love the piano and it's great. And I, I find that if you get stuck. On one instrument, it's good to have another instrument that you can go to. Um, mm. And, you know, uh, Running Out of Time was written on the uh, piano, but I can play it on guitar. And Miles Between, uh, that song, the first song on the record, that was written on guitar. I co-wrote that song with a guy named Jack Ingram, who's a songwriter here in Texas. The original sort of chord structure and the way we sat down to write it, that was I came up with that on the piano, but when he came over, it's just easier for me to co-write on a guitar. So, and none of my songs are that complicated. 
And then I went back to and then I went back to the piano to record it. I went back to the piano because it sounds cooler to me. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a piano player, so I'll, I'll favor. But that. I think I think having fluidity in a couple of instruments uh, oh, yeah. is is helpful. You know, I'm really curious why why do you think and you reflect now on why do you think you got stuck on the guitar for writing songs? Yeah, I'm assuming you were playing guitar. You were probably a, a pretty adept player. Like, how come you were getting stuck on when it came to writing songs? Because your brain gets stuck. No matter what you do, you're going to get stuck. If you have a pattern, yeah, especially in writing, yes, it's good to have. It's like there's a fine line between a groove and a ditch, you know. Yes. <laughs> and so you can have a groove, and you can have a thing that you do, yeah. But it can also be the thing that keeps you from experimenting or finding accidents. And so, as a writer, uh, as an artist in general. I, and I was given this advice a long time ago by a voice coach named Warren Berigian, um, and who said, uh, "If you have a habit, break it mm-hmm. immediately. Like as soon as you re- as soon as you recognize a pattern, not a habit." He said, "If you have a pattern, break it." So for me, as a writer, if I have, if I'm always starting with the verse, or I'm always starting with the chorus, or I'm always starting with the guitar, or I find that my chord progressions are going down or I'm always starting on the one or the four or the five, whatever it is, break it like immediately, like, like just, or if I'm always, if I'm always writing on guitar, well, how about if I start today on the piano or the bass or something or the, you know, I just got a ukulele. It's like, it's awesome, you know, but just, I think it's not about being, it's not worrying about being stuck. It's recognizing that you're stuck and not looking at it as stuck. It's just, um, that's the pattern that I've fallen into out of comfort. And as writers, artists in general, you, you need to have a little bit of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Does this uh, idea of patterns or breaking patterns uh, include your songwriting process? Meaning, do you start with lyrics usually, or do you start with uh, an idea? Do you start with music? Or is that also up in the air? You know, Michael, I, I started writing songs when I was 10. <laughs> I got I got got a few years at this, and uh, I've I've gone through so many ways of doing it that I'll take anything that happens. You know, I keep an I keep a notebook close. I keep a pen in my pocket all the time. I keep my phone near me. I have a running list of titles. I wake up and play guitar within. 10 or 15 minutes after getting out of bed every morning. I mean, that's my number one habit. I pick up the guitar first, you know, uh, I'll take whatever happens and I'm open to whatever happens because in that way, um, once again, it's breaking out of that pattern, you know, lyrics. Great. I'll take it. I mean, the other day, I forget where I was this somebody's, I heard something on the radio. That's what I heard something on the radio driving down the road. A lyric came to me. I pulled over, typed it into my phone, immediately texted it to a, a buddy that I'm co-writing songs with, uh, just texted him. I go, what do you think? He texted back, great, I'll work on it. Boom. You know, and we we don't have a song yet, but he's working on it. And so it's wherever and whenever it happens, I'll take it, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that does, that's, that's, that's amazing, just, just to be open to receiving those sorts of I mean, you can be able to talk about inspiration, but you, you know, you, you can, you can actively seek it out. Inspiration's awesome. And then there's craft. 
Well, yeah, but I, and but then I, there's <laughs> just and then there's just taking the time. Yeah, but what, what, what I mean about inspiration is that, you, like, like you say, like you have to identify those those moments where where you can pull a nugget out of something in in life when you're driving down the when you're driving down the street, whatever it, it is, and say, hey, that could make a good song, you know. But you have to you have to sort of be attuned to that as as opposed to passively waiting for inspiration. Well, that that's cool. If you if you're lucky enough to passively wait and it lands on you, that's great. But I like writing songs. <laughs> I I really like it, and and I like. I mean, I've been doing it for uh, you know fifty years. You know, so it's like it's kind of how I process the world. And I don't write every day. I do something. I try to do something creative every day. I try to make something every day. But but I find that the more you, first off, the more you do it, the more the more you have. The more songs, you, the more time you spend writing, the more songs you write, and it's just the numbers thing. And it's also a, sometimes you're creating, sometimes you're inspired, and sometimes you're just sharpening your tools. It's all good, man. It's like I'll take it, you know, because I write a lot of bad songs. I really do. And, and, and I think those bad songs are gifts, man. They're gifts. And I've done a lot of co-writes where you walk out of there and you go, well, that song sucks. But the day was awesome because you learned what not to do. So, so with songwriting, there's, there's kind of like never a bad day. Like I've never had a bad co-write because uh, even if the song isn't good or the person I write with I don't like, at least I learned what not to do. And that's really valuable as a writer, you know, and you have to spend the time doing it to learn those things. But to me, it's not about inspiration. Inspiration is, is something that comes if you're in the, uh, if you're in the process and doing the work. I mean, God, how many times have we been inspired, but we're, you know, making breakfast for our kids. So inspiration's awesome. Inspiration comes all the time. It's about being in the practice. That way, the inspiration lines up with craft and skill set and hours to do it. That's when you get, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for and things like that. It's <laughs> they were in the process of writing songs when I still haven't, when Bono heard The Edge say, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Bing. That like, oh, you know. Yeah. Anyway. No, no, yeah, it's very well put. So, can we talk uh, a bit specifically about running out of time? Yeah, where that came from, uh, how that came together, what the whole process of that sure. was from start to finish. Yeah, that song. So, so like I said, I, you know, that, that was uh, definitely a, a written during the time when we were all, you know, stuck in our house. I ha- happened to be really blessed with this amazing partner, uh, and she and I were talking about. Uh, you know, we just spend time every day, like, okay, what's going right? What's not going right? And I just, uh, you know, I've, I've been up and down in relationships and stuff, and I'm really super grateful for this woman. She's amazing. And uh, uh, I came up to my studio one day, and I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm actually going to write a song to her, you know, because you know, and I, I, when I, when I, I guess the other thing I should say after my last record, so my last record was number 15. It's called everything. And I, I thought, I really kind of thought, well, maybe that's it. You know, maybe that's, 
the, the, does the world need another album? You know, like really? Mm. And, and they've got 15 of mine. I mean, do they need it really need another one? So I didn't really set out to write a record, you know, I was just writing some songs, but I was thinking, well, you know, it's like at that point, it's kind of like abandoning, like, I don't, you know, like a career move or something like that. It's just, I'm just going to write some songs. And so I came up in the studio and I just was thinking, what would I say to her if, if I was going to say it? And I just sat down at the piano. And, and at the time I was listening to a lot of Jackson Brown. I love Jackson Brown, by the way. And a lot of JJ Kale and a lot of um, just like a uh, rock hooter stuff. Like Bop to You Drop, that record. And and I just, I love soul music and I love just simple, simple chords and so, simple song forms. And you really don't have to get, it's not about getting fancy. And uh, yeah, then the words just popped out. Literally, it took about 45 minutes to write that song, which is, which is uh, a blessing. You know, when those happen, it's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and that was it. It was, it was like it was like one draft, and you're done. You didn't come back and edit afterwards. What's that? You didn't come back and do any editing afterwards. It was like one draft, and you were done. Not really. It was kind of like, well, I mean, you know, you don't edit until you see it in the, until you hear it on, the, on Spotify. You know, or the, that, that's when your edits finish. Yeah, like, you know, when you master the record, that's when <laughs> yeah, you edit. Drift, yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, and and quite frankly, I edited it right up until the. the the time I sang the vocals. Oh, I mean, the edits cool. never, the edits never ended like little words here and there. And yeah, little tweaks. Little tweaks. But basically the song was written. Yeah. In one go. And, and I, I think I might've changed a little bit about the third chorus. I thought about dropping the third chorus uh, and making it instrumental, but you know, I kind of went, tossed that around for a couple of weeks, but, but no, pretty much it was, it was done. What was the recording process like for it? Like the recording process, well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, I, the demos were done at a a place called Sonic Ranch in Tornillo, Texas, which is out uh, just inside of El Paso. It's right on the border with Mexico. Literally, the border wall is at the end of the property, and um. Uh, in these drives between Austin, that I was making between Austin and Arizona, I was going right by Tornillo. Uh, the highway literally goes, you know, right by it. And so I was like, well, maybe on my way back, you know, I'll, from one of these trips that I was doing, I'll stop off and do some record to make some demos, you know, and I'd been writing a bunch. And so I had like 25 songs to cut and I had three days. So I uh, went into the studio, I booked some time, I went into the studio and it was just me and an engineer. And this, it was great. This, uh, this guy, this engineer, he was, a, he was young. He was about 25. And he'd, he'd, he'd only worked with one other singer-songwriter in his whole career. He mostly did, like, heavy metal and punk bands, <laughs> which, which I loved. <laughs> and I was like, okay, man, here's, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to set up a guitar station, and we're going to set up a piano station. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to record each song guitar or piano. I'm going to do three passes of guitar and vocal or piano vocal Then I'm going to, and we're going to set up a click track for each one. Uh, and then I will do three passes of guitar 
and three passes of vocal, and then we move on. And your job as an engineer is make sure we don't uh, distort anything and tell me if I'm boring you. That's all, that's all you have to do. Just record it and tell me if I'm boring you. Because he has he knows nothing about my kind of music. He's a Hispanic, he was a, you know, he's just a Hispanic kid who mostly is into Hispanic, like rock. And so it was fantastic. And, uh, so I spent three days and, and we worked like 12 hour days. It was really intense. And we did 25 songs in three days. Then I took those, lived with that for a while and then kind of went, Oh, wow. I think this is an album. And the songs kind of sifted themselves into these sort of groups of songs. And I went then a friend of mine, Michael Ramos, who's an engineer, a keyboard player here in Austin. I, I went to Michael and I said, Hey man, I think, I think I got an album. You want to co-produce it with me? Then I ran the songs by another guy in, in New York named Stuart Lehrman, who I've worked with a lot on my records. And so we, the three of us co-produced the record and um, we worked, picked the songs, got the songs like, and really buffed that really, really work hardcore about which songs worked and which songs didn't which i always do i never like i never produce myself that'd be the awful um and uh you always need somebody to tell you no so i pick people who are strong-willed and i really respect their opinion but i know that they respect what i do so we can go head to head without it being a conflict because i don't want i don't want a yes man that's useless and then i put some money together so i can make the record and then uh, we went into the studio with drums and bass. Uh, Rami Antun, who used to play with Seal, is the drummer. And then Glenn Fukunaga is the bass player. He's done a lot of work with Sean Colvin, uh, the Dixie Chicks, I mean, all kinds of stuff. You know, Joe Ely, I mean, tons of stuff. So, so we recorded bass and drums because it was in the middle of the pandemic. So you couldn't put seven people in the studio. Yeah. So we, we did drums and bass, lived with that for a week or two, and then uh, the pedal steel went on it. That was Ricky Ray Jackson, who plays with um, uh, Steve Earle. He's also in Phosphorescent and uh, a lot of things. And then Charlie Sexton came in and played guitar on it. And uh, my friend James House in Nashville, James and I wrote uh, – James wrote – Ain't That Lonely Yet for Dwight Yoakam and uh, Broken Wing for Susie Boggess. He has about, he writes a lot of songs with Joe Bonamassa now. So Jay, but he's also an amazing harmony singer and a great friend. He did all the uh, harmony vocals, but the, my lead vocals came from the demo sessions. So I never, I never re-recorded my vocals and the guitar oh. and the piano. All of that came from the demos. We cut it with drum. We cut it with simple drum loops. Some of the original drum loops are actually on the record, but, um, uh, because I wanted that J.J. Kale feel, like J.J. Kale of Naturally. If you listen yeah, to that no, record, big fan if you listen to that record, it's, it's drum loops. Boom, boom, boom. I love that. It's amazing what you can do with that that little bit of percussion. And mm-hmm. so it was really, uh, before I went and recorded the demos, I practiced, I sang every song for a month. Every day. I sang every song and recorded it to listen to myself wow. just on my phone and really worked at the vocals and worked at the performance of it. So when I got to the studio, I, I was ready. I was ready to go, but I literally sang, sang every song every day for a month. Wow. So. Cause that's one thing that really stood out to me listening to the whole album. Was I just thought the vocals were great. The really nice tone and, 
anyway, so I'm surprised that that's from the the demos. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's I was using a you know a, it's a good studio as well. It's recorded well, but I think right. that as a songwriter, did you know whole, then that you were going to keep them? You didn't like just toss them off. You, I knew you, that you I had really a budget. Good. I knew I knew yeah. that I had a, a budget, and <laughs> you, you know, that was literally. You know that I say that jokingly, but it's like I, I I I don't love studios. I don't love I don't love the studio process. Making records is fun, but I don't I don't really want to. I, I have spent hours and hours and hours and hours recording vocals, and they rarely get better. They they get maybe more perfect, but that doesn't mean better. And there's vocals on this record that are like that are there's some out of time vocals. And there's some out of tune vocals, and we kind of went. Well, it feels right, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. perfection is really overrated. So, and that doesn't mean you don't want to be wrong. But, um, but I, I just figured, hey man, I, I go in and sing it, and just get it right. Just practice, get it right, and and really, when you put parameters on yourself as a as an artist. And especially as a singer, put parameters around yourself and game on, you know, like do it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know a guy and I got I got that from a guy named David Kahn, who's a producer. He did. He produced Walk Like an Egyptian and the Bengals and a lot of, a lot of songs. But anyway, he was my A&R guy when I was on Columbia. And I remember talking to him one time. I said, what have you been doing? He goes, oh, man, I just produced a record for Tony Bennett. <laughs> I was like, wow, what's that like? He goes, well, Tony comes in and he sings the songs like once. Unless the orchestra messes up. It's the only time he'll do a second take. And I was like, how does he do that? And he goes, well, he's really good. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, maybe I should. Well, that's the secret. And he practices. And he said, oh, he also, he practices. I was like, oh, well, maybe I could like do that practice. And so that, and you know, I'm not a great, I don't consider myself a great singer or, or guitar player, but it's like, or piano player, but I have, you know, I have a thing. And uh, so I practice. Well, cool. Hey, would you, uh, it sounds great on record, but I'd like to hear yeah. the non-piano version. Uh, yeah, man. Play the if I could somehow figure out how to get my, my, uh, my camera over there by the piano, I would have done that, but uh, no, this will be oh, good because this way we have two versions of it. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll post the uh, the song, uh, the piano version on this on the uh, page as well, so they can hear it. And, and of course, uh, for our, for our listeners as well, the lyric sheet it will be on the show notes, so we can. Follow. Oh, right. <laughs> by the way, this is a really cool show you guys got. This is great. Not many people dig this deep into songwriting, so it's really. Carry on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nothing funny about getting older. My soul aches. My body feels the strain. The past is heavy on my shoulder. Tomorrow comes on. Line. Well, I 
time I count the days that I've wasted Chasing some vision Of what I thought I should be It's just another green grass story Thought it was freedom It was chains without a key Smith running out of time. There you go. I really like the, uh, I guess the pre-chorus, the way it stays the same but changes. First, its days are numbered, then nights are numbered, then uh, moments are numbered. That's a that's like a John Prine trick. Mm. You know, you can move. You actually, and it's also this thing I I learned it in college. You know, but uh, you can move time with just one word. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can move time. And you can it's move. That. Just one word will change the story. If you have the same, Guy Clark used to do that a lot. But you just change one word in the in each verse, and it actually in the, the pre-chorus. So you can do it in the chorus as well, and you can like mm -hmm. it moves the story along, and you create a movement of you know past, future, everything. It's a, yeah, because yeah, you go if these days are really numbered, and then in the second nights are really numbered. If these if these nights and then and then I know these moments they're numbered moments. Which yeah, is the and that was, that's yeah. also the thing of bringing it down. You bring it down to yeah. and you bring it down to this final point, and you spread it out like the warm wind blowing. The third verse, the warm wind blowing off the Gulf Coast, which mm -hmm. 
it's just because it was warm outside. <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> and there was a storm coming. It's like, oh, yeah, warm wind blowing. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm close to the Gulf Coast. It's true. And, uh, you know, it's funny. The, the first line, you know, there ain't nothing funny about getting older. It's like, you know, it's like my back was hurting. Oh, I, yeah. I woke up with my back hurt. And like, there's nothing funny about getting older, man. My soul aches. My body feels the strain. It's just like I'm not – it's not rocket science, man. I'm just trying to put my life into into the songs. You know, that, that I think you mentioned something about songwriting with soldiers. That's a program mm-hmm. – you know, I started um, – uh, with a friend, I'm, I'm no longer doing the work, but but I, uh, actually during the pandemic, I started working with frontline healthcare workers, but but helping them tell their stories through songs. So you're actually uh, writing somebody else's story, but also when you do when I, with that format of songs, you have about an hour and a half to write the song, start to stop, oh. go go go. And what you, what I, what I found and, and other, I brought other songwriters into this. And what we all found was first off, it totally took away our fear of writing songs. It's like, we're going to write a song. We have to write the song because we have an hour and a half and this person sitting there, but also you really opened me up to common language. And the fact that in songs, when you use common language, it just, it just, it's easier, man. Just like, and when someone describes when you describe an, a, a high-impact moment in your life where it's love or the birth of a child or a death or an end of a relationship or whatever, when you do that, your language gets super simple and the words get super small. And that's the mm-hmm. really the, the, the foundation blocks of songs, of great songs. You know, it's funny. I heard, I heard James Brown, It's a Man's World, the other day on the radio. I went, God, man, talk about like, I mean, it, like, whatever you think about the politics of it. It's a fantastic hook, you know, oh, and it's like, it's so simple. And it's been said so many times that he just took it and went, put it in a song and, and trying to find that kind of language that I really learned. And was, it was really shown to me again and again through the work of songwriting with soldiers, when you're sitting across from a, someone writing their story and you have to finish the song in an hour and a half. Uh, and you got to try to make it good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking for simple words and, you know, ain't nothing funny about getting older, man. Soul aches. My body feels the strain. Pass it's heavy on my shoulder. Tomorrow comes on like a train. If these days I are really numbered, if these, yeah, man, if they if the days are really numbered, if there's an end of the line, then I'm going to love you like I'm running out of time. Yeah. I, I, it's I really- a great way to take a complaint or an acknowledgement of mortality and have it mean something. And, and it's a way to make it a love song, which I thought was a really nice turn yeah. of phrase. I was going to say, like, I really love that it's, that it's, that it's, a, you know, it's a proper love song, but it's not saccharine. It's not, you know, it, it, there's, there's, there's a, a level of honesty to it and a level of, of the, the craft of it is really, really, really clever. What you were calling the pre-chorus, I was thinking was just the chorus. Like the whole, the whole second section is, like you, you, and, and your your vocal melody doesn't even like shoot up um, for that for that section in a, in a big dramatic way or anything. It's actually no, it, does, it doesn't it doesn't really go up to I'm gonna love you like I'm running. That's when it I think it that but it's not the highest point in the song. You know, it's like no, it's not. It's a really kind of like simple melody. But you know, Jackson Brown, Jackson Brown. I heard I read this thing one time. He goes, Jackson Brown. I think it was Jackson Brown said, "Oh, the trick is to write a love song and never say love." Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I didn't do that here, but if you can do that, that's like mm. 
Whoa. Uh, that would be a good song. My funny Valentine. Next year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Think about my funny Valentine. You know, think about all those amazing Nick Lowe songs or, or just a great love yeah. songs that never say love, you know, those are the magic. But can you, can you make a love song and not make it like saccharine, like you said, and, but make it real? Because I think people, people like reality. People are craving reality as much as unreality is, gets all the press. There's this mm-hmm. countervailing thing. That's why, you know, it's like as much as people complain about, people love to complain in general, but they love to complain about music, especially as we get older. We love to complain about music. But if you listen like, you know, The Strokes' new record, those some great songs, man. Taylor Swift's, that song yeah. she put out, um, God, I'm spacing out the name. It had Cardigan on it. And it, the, the it's like amazing songs, man. They're just great songs. And... They're using really common language. Taylor Swift's amazing. I'm, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan, um, but uh, she's just it's just, she uses really everyday language. Country music is built on everyday language. Yeah, as are the as the blues. Any idiom is really. Yeah, I think you, you, you say people like reality. I think people like honesty as well. Yeah, totally. Totally, and and they like universal. They want to see them. You know, that's what we all love about songs. That's why songs are, that's why we listen to songs. That's the magic of, of words and music together is that it allows people to see themselves in someone else's story. And that's, that's the job of a writer is to delve into the depths and go somewhere that you've been and tell that story because you never know who needs to hear that story. And if we all think about a song that we all know and love, well, probably when we hear that song, it triggers something in our minds of a story and ourselves. And we somehow see ourselves in this thing that's happening, this song. That's magic. And that comes, you don't want to get complicated. It's hard to see yourself in complicated songs. You see yourself in simple songs. There's lots of space to. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. See, and the dog is barking. The dog. The dog. The dog is like feeling it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the dog? <laughs> uh, so, where, what do you? What's the next step? Are you taking this on the road? What's, uh, yeah, what is, I'm doing what's some shows. You know, I, I don't tour. I don't tour as much as I used to. I do shows, but I do a lot of different kind of work and a lot of different kind of writing work. Uh, so I do a lot of that. I got an art thing, but what I'm, uh, I, so the book is these photos, lyrics, and essays. Then I recorded the essays. I recorded an audio version of the essays. Um, mm-hmm. and then I scored that. Oh, so I, put, I put music around the audio essays and then we, and once I was, and that was so fun, man, because you're dealing with spoken word and then music and some of the music was based on stuff that came from the album and we built on that and we edited it and got, we really got in there and like was, it was, that was so fun. And, and so then I, when I was in the process of making that part, I was like, these are movies. (laughs) These are, these are, these are movies, man. And each one, and they're, they're not long. Some of them are a minute and a half. Some are five minutes. And so then I began to make videos around each one of these essays and so there's a series of 17 videos that are made for the, and so there's an album, a spoken word album coming out in this fall. Uh, it's called Western Skies, the Essays. 
And there's a series of videos that will be released uh, in a, along with that. <clears throat> and then I am uh, working on a one-man show Fantastic. around Western Skies. I'm taking that, all this content, all the songs and stories, and I'm, I start rehearsal tomorrow, actually. Oh, wow. So it's going to be like and, a multimedia show. Yeah, multimedia with these with the photographs and the video. And we're just going to see. We, I mean, you never know if anything's going to work. But I've been I've had this idea about a one man show. It's a theater thing uh, for mm-hmm. t- for a, over a decade, and I finally I think I have I have uh, something to build it on. So uh, we're going to see if it works. So that that's what's next. Wow, that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's great, fun, man. Well, I have an art show up. I have a I have a series of lithographs that are being uh, they're in, in in a gallery in Houston right now. And, uh, so it's like I'm spread it out. It's like uh, it's fun, man. I'm having fun, you know. Amazing. Yeah. Not slowing down. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. No. Why slow Sexy down? Sixty doesn't mean nothing. <laughs> ah, dude. Listen, I'll tell you what, man. For anybody out there who's freaking out about getting older, I got to tell you, man. Sixty feels awesome because you don't have to pretend you're a kid anymore. And you don't, also, you don't have, it's like, and the horizon is out there, man. It's like, you maybe you know, maybe you have 10, 20 years if you're lucky, you know? So mm-hmm. if you've been working on a craft and you got to a place where you have, uh, have, you have, a, you have a thing that you do that you might be pretty good at and you have a community that you can operate in, you, if you are blessed enough to make a living at it, which is a total blessing, Man, why slow down? Dude, it's so much fun. I, I, I have more fun. I love music and songwriting more now than when I was a kid. Again, I had record deals and all that stuff. I love it now because now I look at music and songs, and especially being a professional musician, I look at it as a service job. It's not a mm-hmm. it's not an entertainment gig. It's a service. It's something I do so that somebody out there might it might make their day better and at, at that great. place at that place it's endless and and almost becomes uh, the audience of course we all want an audience we all want to be loved <laughs> you know we all want to make a living and all that that has to happen as well but then it's really about okay what's a better use for what's the real use of music and you know music wasn't created to make records I don't know if anybody knows that we Music wasn't invented to tour. Music was invented to tell stories. That's what. That's yeah. why we play music, and that's why we all get into it is to tell a story and to be. So, how about we pursue that, and then everything else will take care of itself. Makes sense. But it's it's way that's more fun great. now than it was. Excellent. But Darren Smith, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, your song and your time and some great uh, advice on, on songwriting was fantastic my pleasure my pleasure so I'm afraid thank that's all the time we have tonight like, like uh, I said man but thank you for, for doing it yeah well, well thank you guys because this is a really cool thing Not there's not many actually there's not many shows out there that go in that go into songwriting uh, like this a lot of people they're just interested in a project per se so good on you for doing this this is great and if uh, for people to find you on social media or what, what's the best way to find you? Uh, d- d- well, my website is just DardenSmith, you know, dot com. But then my, I'm on Instagram and all that stuff, uh, you know, so you can find yeah. YouTube. It's uh, all right. I, I forget. DardenSmith.com will do it. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah. 
Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, for our listeners, please send us your impressions of the show to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us at uh, feedback at songtalk.ca. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performances and do subscribe. And stop by the site at songtalk.ca. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher.com, Spotify, or Podcast Addict. And don't forget, you can also sign up for our free newsletter at songtalk.ca where you can also find links to products, books, and web services, and lots of other things. And please join us at our next Song Talk Meetup at the end of the month. It's free to join on meetup.com, free to attend the meetup, so you can get more information about that. Also on songtalk.ca. And Neil, if they want more of you, I'm sure they do. Where do they find you? Of course they do. neilmody.com. All right. And uh, Phil's is philemory.com, right? philemory.ca. philemory.ca, okay. And I'm currently uh, on hibernation, but you can find pictures on Proudfoot420 on Instagram. And stop by the website uh, to browse past shows at songtalk.ca and find out how you might be a guest. Keep on writing. Good night, everyone. Long. Oh, yeah.